Hello, fellow adventurers, and welcome back to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin, and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together, we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. Last week, we already discussed different attributes in strategy card games. We discussed um, the classic attributes like power and toughness and mana cost. Um, and then we also examined the less common attributes like armor, hit points, speed, priority, range or guard. And finally, we also talked about some more of the unusual attributes like honor, age, uh, max army size, uh, combo symbols or different weaknesses on cards. And although this already covers a large amount of different attribute values, there is even more. And since some um, um, of you were so kind to send me additional attributes via email um, or social media, I didn't want to deny them from the rest of the community. So I thought I'd do a second episode on this topic. But before we start on that subject, I wanted to make a brief announcement. Um, because I think um, I mentioned before that I'm currently co-designing a dueling card game with another designer. We have finished the rules of the game and done a lot of playtesting during the last couple of uh, weeks and months. Um, we have tested many different keywords, different triggers, different attributes, uh, different effects of the cards. And now we are at a point where we want to create um, a set of 50 cards as our final product. And we thought it would be fun if each of us designed a set of 50 cards and then we'll see which of those cards are the best and we will playtest both of the sets that we create and um, choose the cards from both sets that will go into our final product. And since many of you have given me the feedback that you would like to learn more about my personal process as a game designer and learn more about the games that I am working on, I would like to take the opportunity to show you my personal approach of designing this set of cards. And I want to do that live. Um, maybe you can even give me, um, yeah, some help me um, doing this process and give me some um, advice what kind of effects you would like to see on those cards. Um, Therefore, I will um, have a small live session on Wednesday, August 5th um, at TP, uh, 10 p.m. Um, Central European Summer Time. Um, and I will um, broadcast on Twitch. Um, I will briefly explain how the game works and then yeah, start with a design skeleton. Um, an Excel spreadsheet um, where I will write down the different roles of each card which I want to um, them to fulfill and hopefully at the end we'll end up with uh, 50 finished cards. Um, if any of you are interested to see how this will work, um, I would be very happy um, if you come by and um, yeah, accompany me by uh, doing so. Um, start again is Wednesday at 10 p.m. Um, Central um, European Summer Time. That is about 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, and a little side note for all of you um, who are listening to this episode. Um, after that date, 
I uh, will record the session and share the link in the show notes so that you will be able to um, yeah, to watch the session in, even if you missed the live, the live part of it. For all the others, it would be great if you join on Twitch. Um, you can find me there as um, Nerd Like a Boss, um, but you can also find the link um, in the show notes so that you can join. Hope to see you on Wednesday. But now back to the main topic. We are going to discuss uh, different um, attribute values on, um, especially on cards for strategy card games, dueling card games, um, collectible card games, uh, trading card games, living card games. So this uh, is the broad genre um, that we are um, looking at today as the second part of this um, of this episode. And the first game that I want to mention today is Marvel Champions, the card game. And um, especially I want to talk about the thwart value of that, um, that game. Um, Marvel Champions is yeah, it's played over a series of rounds. It's a cooperative game that is played against um, the AI of the game. And each round um, is broken down into two phases. The hero phase and then the villain phase that um, yeah, fights against you. And during the, the hero phase, the player's phase, um, the players take turns playing cards from their hands, um, as usual for these kind of games, games and um, they are exhausting their identity card. And um, the identity card is what I want to talk about today. Um, the identity card um, yeah, typically is... Um, it is a hero that you know of the Marvel Universe, something like Spider-Man or um, Iron Man or, uh, yeah, these, these kind of heroes. And um, it has three um, different attributes on the card. It has an attack value, it has a thwart value, and it has a recovery value. And the um, attack means uh, the damage that the hero can deal um, to the opposing minions or the villain itself. And it really helps to bring the players uh, closer to defeating the villain and winning the game. The second attribute is the thwart value. And um, I found that an interesting one because um, thwart is some form of countermeasure um, to um, yeah, to prevent what the villain tries to do. So due to various game effects, the villain puts threat counters on their scheme cards, um, causing bad things to happen for the players um, when a certain value is reached. Or um, typically, I think it's it's a global effect that always is in place as long as there are um, uh, threat counters on it. And by thwarting, the players have a chance to remove a certain number of threat counters from the scheme cards. So that means they are preventing the villain from winning the game, from um, yeah, adding too many uh, bad global effects on the, um, on the board as well. And the third value is the recovery value. And it means um, how much uh, damage a character can heal when it uses the recover um ability and an interesting twist in marvel champions um, also comes from from the flip mechanic of the identity card um, because each player as mentioned plays a hero like spider-man or iron man but they all have also their alter ego on the back of the card 
Um, so for Spider-Man, that would be Peter Parker, and for Iron Man, that would be Tony Stark, of course. Um, and they have different abilities um, in their um, normal human form and then their, uh, compared to their superhero form. And um, in the game, that is uh, represented in the form that um, attack and thwart can only be used in the hero form, whereas uh, recovery can only be uh, performed in alter ego form. And I really like the combination of these different stats. Um, there is one for uh, offense, there's one for tactical defensive aspects, and um, there's one for recovery. All of it is important during a game and it gives the players a chance to fulfill different roles in in a game um, which is super important in a cooperative game of course um, for example there is um, one hero that is better in yeah taking damage and tanking the minions for example he might um, um, more often use a recovery ability or so um, and there is also um, a hero that is very good at thwarting He might not be attacking that often compared to other players, but he's responsible to make sure that the villain um, uh, does not win. Um, and um, yeah, I really like that different roles and these three different attributes uh, really add a lot of um, a lot to the game to to um, achieve this goal. The next game that I forgot to mention last week as well is um, the Lord of the Rings um, uh, living card game. In Lord of the Rings um, LCG, each character um, has a, I think it has a strength value or power value, I don't know what it's called actually, um, and some kind of armor or defensive value. Pretty normal stuff. But then it also has a, um, a third attribute or third um, character value um, that is called willpower. And that willpower strength um, is used to um, at once the quest. And um, yeah, that is also an important role that uh, the team has to accomplish. It's also a cooperative game. And um, each enemy and location has um, a threat strength um, printed on the card. And that is used to impede a character's quest progress. And in order to resolve the quest, Each character um, um, that is committed to the quest, so you have to commit your, your heroes to, to a certain quest, for example, um, or do other um, activities with them, but you can commit them to a quest. And if you did that, um, their willpower strengths um, is added together to create a total willpower strength of all characters that are committed to that quest. And... Um, Yeah, then on the other side, the threat strengths of all the enemies and locations um, that are in a certain area on the board um, are also, um, yeah, summed together. And then the players have to compare their total willpower strengths to the total threat strength and um, determine the progress um, of their quest. And um, yeah. It can, of course, be a successful attempt if their total willpower is greater than the total threat. But it can also be um, unsuccessful if the total willpower is less than the total threat on the board. Because there are certain um, modifi modifiers that um, are added during, during this phase. So it's not always crystal clear for the players if they will make progress or not. So the quest, quest resolution um, determines if 
players gain progress tokens on the quest um, or if they increase their stre- th- threat. If um, their questing abroad was successful, a number of progress tokens equal to the difference between the total willpower strength and the total threat strength are placed on the currently revealed quest card. So they're making progress on that quest. And um, each quest card has a number of quest points. And when that number um, um, on the quest card is equal or greater than the number of quest points, um, the players complete that quest stage of the quest and reveal the next one. Um, but when their um, when their questing was unsuccessful, they have to increase um, each player's threat dial by um, the amount um, equal to the difference between the total threat and the total willpower. And yeah, that's some kind of a loose mechanic of the game. So if uh, a player's threat dial reaches 50, um, that player is immediately eliminated from the game. I um, yeah played this uh, game a few years ago and um, yeah we en- we enjoyed playing it um, because uh, it also had some kind of interesting decisions between um, sending your heroes to combat or doing some kind of other action with them in that case it was questing and i really like that if you have a have to make a decision between um, a combat or um, i don't know advancing a quest or preventing uh, the villain from doing something or doing some kind of social activity and by having um, an additional attribute printed on the card you can really, really easy create um, different roles in the game because one one hero might be good at one thing and the other one might be better in fighting compared to questing. And um, yeah, but sometimes the game um, creates these circumstances and boundaries that yeah, maybe even the the worst character for questing has to quest this this turn because um, it's very important to proceed with the quest or so and um, yeah i like these kind of tactical decisions that you have to make together as the team and yeah these attributes help to do so and yeah now i want to mention three more games that a fellow adventurer and listener of this podcast uh, samuel dion i hope i pronounced that name correctly um has brought to my attention and um they have really interesting um, implementations of different attributes and values on cards. And um, the first one is the Lightseeker uh, trading card game. Lightseeker is um, a dueling card game, pretty similar to um, yeah, to all the others like Magic and Hearthstone. And um, yeah, your goal is um, also to reduce the life points to zero from your opponent. And um, you have different card types to do so. So each player has a a hero card, for example. And one attribute that is printed on that hero card is the starting health. Um, Yeah, so compared to Magic, where you always start with 20 health, um, there is a variety in this game, um, depending on the kind of hero that you you choose. Um, And um, it also, um, on the hero card, another stat are the elements, um, which are the resources um, you need to to play other cards like attack cards, defensive cards, and buff cards. And um, some of these elements, um, they come in a variation because some of these um, elements come with a silver border, which means they can only be used once per turn. So you have one, um, let's say, mana available of that kind. Um, And then uh, others come with a superior gold border, which means um, 
they can be used as often as a player wants per turn of that kind of resource. But the most interesting kind of card that um, I want to mention here are the buff cards because they have um, the duration as a value printed on the card. And it is pretty innovative and um, interesting how they did that because they did not just um, um, yeah, print a number of duration like two or three rounds on the card. No, they marked um, in the top left corner of the card um, how long the duration is and not as a number. Um, there are different icons um, that can appear in these four corners on a card. Um, and if the corner um, has a circular rotation symbol, the card is rotated during the buff phase, which is in the beginning of the of the turn. You have a buff phase. You look at your the buffs that you have in play, and if they're um, if at the top left corner is a rotation symbol, we rotate that card by 90 degrees um, and trigger its effect. Um, and there's a little bit of variation there. If um, if no symbol is on the top left corner, the card that means the card there um, is permanent; it stays in in, in play. And um, if um, the rotation symbol is a little bit etched, um, the card only rotates if their effect is triggered. Um, either way, if a rotating card either reaches an empty corner or returns to its starting position, that means the buff. Um, is expired um, and is discarded. Um, and um, the card corner stat is extremely interesting um, because it is a, yeah, a built-in time effect. Um, that's also what uh, Samuel mentioned when he, he wrote this email to me. He really liked the fact that you do not need counters to track some kind of countdown, as I mentioned last week. Um, you instead have only the, the, the card and the rotation of the card. And um, while you do that, um, you get access to different effects based on the corner. So some cards um, um, in their text box have written um, when um, this card is on, uh, I don't know, corner three or so, it heals um, a certain amount. Or when it is on corner four, it deals damage for a certain amount of um, and that is uh, gives you a lot of design space to do different um, different things with one card, um, and um, that is really novel. And I really like it. I did not play the game yet, but I'm I'm really trying to um, trying to 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 play it in the future because it sounds very interesting to me. And there is even another another attribute which I wanted to mention here, and that is um, the um, the item weight because each hero can only it's some kind of so let me start differently um, the item cards are a card type that can be played as some kind of equipment or attachment that you um, add to your hero and each hero can only hold items worth uh, up to two item weight points um, and the item weight points are another stat that is used only on the item cards items have um, individual effects and also can come with additional um, elements um, so new resources that can be added to the heroes available resources already but you have this little restriction that you can only um, um, have items uh, worth um, in some 
two um, weight points. So that's also um, an interesting aspect of that game. I know it is a little bit difficult to uh, understand how this whole rotation stuff works um, only by listening to, to my voice. So um, if this is something that interests you, you can also um, look at the website. Um, I added some images of, uh, of these cards to this, um, to this um, podcast article so that you can um, yeah, probably better understand how this whole rotation works rotation works and i really um, encourage you to take a look at this game because it it looks awesome um, and i really look forward to play it one time in the future the second game that samuel mentioned um, is master of will and um, i have to confess that it um, is a pretty complex game and i have not played it so full disclosure here i do not know everything about the game and i only took um, took a look at what samuel pointed me to and um, that is um, an attribute that influences um, how certain factions react to your choice of recruiting um, a certain character. And that attribute, I think it's called influence. And um, yeah, that's what I want to mention here. And I will, I will use most of the words from Samuel and his, um, and his awesome email that he sent me. In... Yeah, in Master of Wills, the setting is a cyber kind of cyberpunk society, yeah, and different factions um, um, are living in this world. And your goal is to gain more influence than your opponent by recruiting people that belong to these different factions. And yeah, at the start of each turn, you have to choose a character to recruit from yeah from a central um, tableau or. Um, a certain column that is on the on the battlefield or on the board and um, you move them to a specified column on your side of the field um, and when you do that uh, when you recruit that character that comes at a cost because some factions will be pleased with the choice um, and will be willing to be recruited as well while others will be displeased and they do not want to work with you um, in the future um, or it's at least less likely that they, that they want to do that and they prefer to work with your opponent instead. And um, I really like that from the narrative perspective because it makes total sense that um, uh, these different alliance, uh, different uh, factions form alliances and um, they do not, work to, uh, do not want to work together with certain, certain characters. And um, this is in the game represented um, by a list of numbers and colors on on each character. And for example, a character can come with a plus two for one faction color or a minus one for another one. And after you choose a character, you then move the other characters um, of the specified colors um, either towards your column if um, you have a plus value on the hero or towards your opponent um, if you have a, a negative value on the card. And um, this is really indicating which factions were pleased with your recruitment and um, those which were not. It feels a little bit like some kind of track of factions that yeah is influenced by the choices you make. 
I have not seen something similar as an implementation for attributes on on cards, but but I like it, and I could also see some something similar similar approach to um, to to questing, for example, where you have um, certain actions that you that you do have a positive effect on on the quest that you are trying to do and some have a negative effect so i really like that um, um that implementation but as mentioned i did not play the game so i do not really know how it feels um when you really when you really play it okay and that brings us to to the last game that i wanted to mention and that's also one that samuel brought to my attention and um it is really it is completely different it is um, the exodus uh, trading card game And why do I mention it here in this podcast? Because it does not use attributes at all. And that's kind of a strange thing to do for a for a strategy card game where you fight with creatures against each other because they typically need some kind of power value um, or toughness value or hit points, don't they? Um, and, or at least summoning costs or so. And but Exodus is different. Um, and in Exodus, you really the, the, the main thing you need is energy. And um, energy is at the same time the game's resource as well as the creature's power and health. And at the start of your turn, you draw six cards each turn, three cards from your deck and three energy cards. Um, And then in the next phase, in the energy phase, um, you place these uh, the energy in piles on your field with a maximum of placing um, um, three, not more. And you can then add to the pre-existing piles. Um, so if you have a pile with one already on the battlefield from the last round, you could um, add two more cards there to, to, to form a, a pile of three. Um, And you can make as many piles as you want. So there is no limitation of um, the amount of piles that you can can have. And yeah, once you are ha happy with your piles, um, then you proceed to the main phase where you can summon creatures onto these energy piles. And the amount of energy um, piled under the creature, which is represented by the energy cards, if you remember, um, it is both the creature's power and the creature's health. And when attacking, the creature deals damage to other creatures equal to its energy uh, cards below it. And it takes damage equal to the defending creature's energy. And um, yeah, you discard that amount of energy from your creature. If it um, has no energy left, um, the creature dies and is discarded. Um, and for me when i when i heard about that i thought that's really clever design isn't it so you do not um you do not need uh, additional tokens or so to do it you use um cards to represent it which i like um and all the creatures are kind of at least in my mind how i envision it they are kind of um variable so you can form your own strategies so uh, you can uh come up with uh, creatures that uh, have very nice uh, attributes but you build them as a strong creature or you build them as uh, many weak creatures you and play a go white um, strategy and 
I think this is sounds at least clever to me and sounds like a lot of fun because um, you you give these kind of decisions to to the players and give them a, um, a whole bunch of, of options what they can do um, and um, yeah I also would like to test uh, to test this game and see how how a yeah dual game can work without attributes on the cards because I have never seen something like it and I never played something like it okay but I really have to say um, thank you to to Samuel again um, for sending over these um, these awesome examples of games, and also thank you to all the others that have participated to to make this um, this episode possible, or these two episodes, by um, yeah giving um, me a good a good advice on what kind of games I should look at, and uh, mentioning interesting attributes uh, over at the Reddit chat or at social media or by sending it to me via mail. Thanks a lot, everyone. Um, this is a community endeavor and uh, yeah, you are, you are awesome. So um, if you want to um, want to say hello and come by watching me um, designing the, the cards for my new game um, as a live session on, on Twitch, I would be... Very happy to see you there. It will happen on on Wednesday again, 10 p.m. Central um, European Summer Time. That is again 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, come by, say hello, give me some advice how to create these uh, these cards to make this an awesome game. Um, your help is very much appreciated, and um, I'm also there to to answer questions um, if they are related to the topic, of course, and otherwise as well. So. Thank you very much for uh, listening um, and until next week keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss. Goodbye.